Great. You're telling me we're risking our lives on some half-baked trek up a mountain and you don't even know what we're going to get out of it? You guys are more local than the locals. It's not a question about getting something out of it. It's a spiritual journey. You wouldn't understand. Welcome to Series 1, Episode 52 of Conversation League of Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining me on the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. Sabine. Hi. Maggie. Hi. And Carlin. Hello. With episode notes done by Matt and myself. So for the series finale, the screenplay was done by David Fox. It was directed by Costa Boats. And the episode synopsis will be read out by Liz. The Mall Rats have encountered a literal roadblock on their way to Eagle Mountain. But they're saved by the sudden arrival of Bray and Ebony and one of the Locos buses. Bray's reception by Amber, however, is chilly, much to his confusion. But just when all hope seems to be lost, the Mallrats finally reach their destination and are delivered one final message from the long-lost adults, which places them securely in the driver's seat of their own destiny. Okay, loads to go through, so let's jump right into the cliffhanger from the previous episode. So the finale kicks off with our Mallrats journey suddenly cut short due to the quarantine blockade by the rural tribe, who want to contain the mutated virus within the city limits. The situation, however, turns even more dire when the locos suddenly appear from the other direction, seemingly trapping them, until they realise that it's Bray and Ebony coming to their aid. So, panel, just what were your uh, immediate thoughts of this iconic bus escape scene? I just love the fact that when Ebony pokes out and says, hey, come on, they all just stare at her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, really? You think that, that, okay, that makes a lot of sense, Ebony. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, Trudy is the one to point out, oh, but no, look, guys, it's Bray. It's Bray, yeah. First one to look for him. Zondra's like, we're surrounded. I mean, if they saw Ebony, why wouldn't they look for Bray? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I just, I'm impressed that Bray uh, can drive a bus. So am I. Like, what? You got your Class C license? That's impressive. I, you took driver's ed before all this happened? Cool. He has a skill. I mean, yeah, driving a bus isn't easy. Yeah, it's it's not easy to drive that, especially not on mountain roads. Mm-hmm. Now, did the back of that bus say "Adios, City"? Uh, yeah, I think that's what it said. And in my head, I'm like, how did they did they just decide to to spray paint this on the back of the bus before they took off? I'm so confused. Ebony did say she kept it aside for right. some kind of like, so maybe that was just something that was like maybe, her escape yeah. plan. If she maybe ever it was her getaway, get yeah, that makes sense. Okay, okay. Yeah. I accept that. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. Um, so when I originally watched season one, like a little over a year ago, I watched about 10 episodes. And then I was just so excited because the show was so amazing thus far that I went to go watch the season one featurette. And in that featurette, it showed that bus crashing through all the, the barrels and, and all the mall rats together. And I was like thinking like, oh, it's so awesome. When is that episode? Yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and what a better way to show it is the season finale. Yeah, I do like how they incorporate that scene, you know, into uh, some of the entrances later on in the, in the series. You know, you see it more. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we touched on a little bit. Like, does it surprise anybody that Ebony had this 
bus stashed away as an escape plan? No. no not really. Nah, I'm not surprised. Because it probably wasn't her that had it stashed away. It was probably Zoot. I was actually just thinking about that. I'm like, Bray knows how to drive this bus, which is extremely rare given his mm-hmm. age. And that it's not... You don't usually get that license when you reg- get your regular license. You have to, you know, do a whole different course to drive that kind of vehicle. I'm like, what yeah. if that was something Martin and Bray had learned to do, you know, and before the virus ever happened, it was just, you know, their father had them study that for driver's ed. And yeah, it was Zoot who had a bus on standby. And of course, Bray was like, oh yeah, I can drive this. <laughs> That's interesting. We never saw Zoot drive that police car, did we? No. No, but he was younger. He was Trudy's age. Yeah, he was only what we say. I normally say he was about 15, you know. Um, but no, he had people to drive the police car for him. Why would he drive himself around? Yeah, right, a, king, right. a king doesn't drive himself. No, absolutely no. not. And how's he, he going to stand out the roof, you know, if he's driving? That's what minions are for. Right. Yeah, I wonder if he ever took his test. I don't think so. Not at that age. No, I mean, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is in New Zealand as far as driving ages go, though. On the other hand, um, we don't know what these kids learned. We know that Ryan and Alex were sent to boot camp, so yeah, we can probably assume the same about Bray and Martin. And uh, so, who knows what they learned there? Yeah, but were all the boys sent to were all the boys sent to, to boot camp around this time, or were it just certain boys? Boys that got in trouble. Like, what was this boot camp for? They tried to evacuate different old teenagers to places, you know? Cause yeah, I know, but that's what I'm saying. Was this was the boot camp a place that they were doing that for, though? That's what I'm confused on. I always just assume Lex got in trouble, and they got in trouble, <laughs> and they ended up, you know? Yeah, no clue on how they selected who they sent where. I, I was with Maggie. I thought, um, judging from Lex and Ryan and the people they're with, and the way they're treated by the women mm-hmm. in charge. Mm-hmm. I assumed this was more for tr- children who were in trouble a lot um, and were considered high-risk cases. And that's why they were sent there. And yeah. they were clearly from they were from a different part of the city than mm-hmm. Bray and Trudy, Ebony. They went to more of a you know high-class school, upper-middle class, I would assume. Yeah. And, and there were quarantine camps, weren't there, where they took exactly. the children? Yeah. 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 So I, I wondered what they taught them there more because survival I mean, skills maybe yeah because truly even mentions that she didn't want to leave her parents but she was sent away as well yeah we see that in a flashback you know mm. but yeah coming back to ebony i'm just i'm not surprised she had her backup plan stashed away somewhere no either am i because she's smart enough to know that you always have a backup plan right and for the last like 10 episodes we've been talking about her not having this backup plan you know like what what, (laughs) right what was her end game she was gonna leave the city she was just gonna leave yeah i mean she does know how to look out for herself oh yeah she's a survivor above all else to have this bus to get away if everything goes to hell yeah it's not like an a, in, inconspicuous escape plan. It's a massive bus. <laughs> that, it's huge. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. How was yeah. she going? Yeah. She was <laughs> out in style, yo. She was going to go out with a bang. <laughs> yeah. She, she was just going to drive all over them. Anyone trying she anticipated to anticipated a, a bumpy road, okay? <laughs> oh, I mean, run over her sisters. <laughs> a car is more easily stopped than a bus. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the type of vehicle you would want in an apocalypse. Oh, yeah, and what you can load up in a bus, you know, like what you can, your your supplies, and you can fortify it better, and, well, yeah, you do. 
for her, for her boy toys, you know, they were just there to <laughs> do her bidding. To drive her bus. Yeah, to drive her bus, exactly. Do you think she always stashed it away to, to hope one day to run away with Bray? <laughs> oh, maybe. Uh, who maybe. knows? Maybe. <laughs> maybe she felt like, you know, after they, they rescued these people, these kids, and they got them to Eagle Mount, that her and Bray could just ride off into the sunset. You never know. I bet Ebony was hoping they would never find his friends on the way. Probably. I can almost guarantee that she was hoping that and they could just leave. Oh, yeah. She must have been like, when they found him on the road, she must have been like, ah, shucks. Dang it. Now we're going to rescue these idiots. (laughs) There goes my plan. She was doing her best to drive slow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, But but on the other hand, she did realize that those idiots were her best chances at getting more of the antidote in case she would get it herself. Yeah, but if her and Bray got far enough away from, you know, people, mm-hmm. maybe it would be, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't think she would have been upset if they hadn't if found they her. Didn't. No, I don't think yeah. she would have been heartbroken at all. Happily ever after would Bray. Yep. Bray yep. would have been upset, like, they've got to be somewhere, and she would have, like, calmed him and charmed him, and like, hey, it's just us, and don't worry, and blah, 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 we'll just keep we'll going. Be fine. Yeah. We'll be fine. Keep going, maybe we'll find them. Exactly. Just mm-hmm. keep driving, Bray. <laughs> yep, just keep going. They're getting away from the city, so we have to get away. Yeah, that yeah, I can see that. And then mm-hmm. also like, well, they did desert you, you know, and mm-hmm. they did leave you behind. I'd did. never do that. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's stick with Ebony because like I was quite surprised, I think, about uh, everyone's kind of the overall reaction that the Morats had to the Queen of the Locos being within them. Like, yeah, how did everyone else feel about those reactions there? I can't believe that they were so willing to just allow her to come along. Her bus or not, they overpower her. They didn't have to take her with them. They could have left her on the side of the road, which I feel like they should have. Tied to a tree. <laughs> <laughs> it was all very tame, like, considering the last time they saw her. Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. That's why it was really nice to, you know, later on hear Trudy say what she says to her. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, it was it was great to see her finally be like, no, you don't get to have the power anymore. I think that's kind of the point, you know. Yeah. Um, when Ebony is with her crowd, uh, her bully boys, she gets a reaction from people, mm-hmm. you know. But the Mallrats have already dealt with Ebony on their own at this point, and she didn't do anything to them, even though they put her in a cage. Um, they got a feel for just how threatening she is by herself, and it doesn't help that when they're seeing her now, it's because her tribe turned on her. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'd be wondering, I'd be like, why else would she be with Bray? Things didn't go well for her. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And she's not a threat. She's not scary. She's just a tiny girl. And it's like, you need us more than we need you. If you start trouble, we'll leave you on the side of the road. Exactly. You, know? you can mm-hmm. see that in Trudy's face and in the tone of her voice. So I think it's just a power dynamic of knowing that she can't do anything to them. They could do something to her if they wanted to. I think they're also very distracted right now. And Ebony's smartly playing nice. She doesn't edge over being sarcastic with these guys because she yeah. knows she's in a tight spot. She's dependent on them. And um, so that might have a lot to do with it. It's just the power struggle right here. She doesn't have any. And they don't have to be threatened by her. If she makes a wrong move, then yeah, they could just kick her to the curb. Um, yep. And right now they're all just focused on finding the answer that will save their lives. They don't really care, you know, about her. Yeah, it has to be the distraction. I mean, I can't see them allowing her to stay with them under any other circumstances. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They have they have bigger fish to fry and it isn't Ebony. Yeah, I agree. I think um I think Ebony 
Well, I was happy she came along. And you're right. It's very easy to overpower Ebony because she's like, what? Five feet? <laughs> yeah, she's a tiny little pounds. girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's like a chihuahua. But um, I mean, yeah. I mean, just watching this episode, it almost kind of felt that she's like, it's kind of like a video game. And she's just this companion that's just coming along. Not necessarily the main character, but always there to give her insight when needed. But she's just there to pretty much just observe everyone and uh, what's really going on until she can get her hands on the uh, the antidote. On the other hand, Ebony was always the person to, you know, find a way to save herself. So she might actually have some use, even if it is that you're, you think you're walking into a trap and you can send her in first. But I mean, no, Ebony is a very useful character. You know, she's proven herself. Mm-hmm. And um, they know that. And Bray especially knows that. It's best to keep Ebony close to them, opposed to making her an enemy. Besides, if you look at the psychology of survival groups in situations like this, sometimes um, it's weird, but you'll find that it's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And um, when the thing you're going up against is way bigger than the everyday struggles, you kind of just let bygone Mm -hmm. be gone. And we see the mall rats do that among each other all the time. Remember, all the time. Lex betrayed them too, you know? And it was just like, he came home and everyone forgot about the betrayal. Like, oh, we got to take care of him. He's sick. He's dying, you know? Besides, he made up already saved us. And they're looking at Ebony kind of the same way. Like, well, they got us out of this jam, whatever. It's just not worth mm-hmm. it to keep fighting about this stuff. I don't know. Yeah, that's funny you say that. I think uh, Bray's motto for handling any situation with Ebony is that whole uh, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. <laughs> yeah. Which is a smart thing to do with Ebony. Because mm-hmm. yeah, if, yeah. if you know where she is and what she's doing, she can't be doing anything against you. You think that. Well, at least she can't physically be planning something against you. If you have have her in your sight. Yeah. Amber, what's wrong? Figure it out for yourself, right? I don't get it. I thought you'd be glad to see me. What, is this something to do with me and Ebony? Wow, you must be psychic. But there's nothing going on. I saw the two of you together, so don't bother lying. By the pool, you were getting a nice tan. Does the word helicopter ring a bell at all? So do me a favor, Bray. Drop it dead. Bray confronts Amber about her apparent coolness towards him, but he fails to convince her that there's nothing going on between him and Ebony. Later, Ebony coaxes him into putting his arm around her within clear sight of Amber, and his request for her to tell Amber the truth ends really badly when she purposely implies the opposite of her admittedly truthful words. So yeah, panel, um, is he really this naive? Or do you, do you generally feel like he does like the drama a little bit? This, this is where I'm so torn, okay? Like, I don't want to believe that he is... Like, I, I don't think he's naive, but I also don't want to believe he's stupid enough. Like, that he is so lacking the common sense and the, the wherewithal to understand that just being like, okay, yeah, no problem, I'll keep you warm, isn't going to make an issue. Like, are you kidding me? So maybe he does like the attention. I just don't like... I don't like believing that he likes the attention, okay? But he can't be this stupid. Come on. Come on. You guys aren't probably going to like my point, like where am I coming from? But I'm honestly, just so disappointed. Um, I'm team Bray through this entire thing. 
One, Bray has <laughs> proved that he's this naive and this stupid. Mm-hmm. I guess you're right. He's but- already proven that he doesn't assume people will think ill of his intentions because his intentions are good. So yeah, Bray could totally be totally be tricked into putting his arm around Ebony without thinking, duh, what would this look like? You know? Um he's already shown that he's that naive when it comes to women and their manipulations and their tricks. You know, when he'd be left alone with Celine, he didn't think of what that would look like to Trudy. Or if he spent the night in Trudy's room, he didn't think of how that would look like to the rest of the tribe. Bray doesn't think on that level because he's not doing that stuff. So he wouldn't do that to some, well, I mean, he would, but he just doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> he honestly just doesn't think that way. Yeah, you know? but I, I mean, with all this, the, the, the crap that Amber, like they just are dealing with in that moment, why wouldn't he just use his brain a little bit more to think? She already thinks something's going on. Yeah, but remember, Bray is in, he's the one who does not understand. What no, I know, but she already him. But she already th- she has not explained to him fully. I guess what she thinks he did. You know, like he honestly. But she knows he knows understand. it involves Ebony. He knows it involves Ebony. That's why he immediately says, "Ebony, you need to tell her there's nothing going on between us." And then, he for whatever reason, his, she won't listen to me. I don't know why she won't listen to me. Her. I'm her boyfriend, and she doesn't trust me. I don't know why. Can you please talk to her? Because you're cuddling with Ebony <laughs> by the creek. <laughs> he just I, doesn't I, see it like that. I know, and it makes me so sad. He he is being his well not adorable but his gallant self with a oh the girl is cold I should keep her warm because that's how I was raised. But it's Ebony. He, that's the only reason why I, I disagree with Liz because. But it's he, Ebony. He specifically, t- uh, says, "Oh, why don't you go into the into the bus because it's cold." He 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 has a hint of yes like, something's not right there, and he still no, does it. Yeah, I'm not quite. It doesn't. It doesn't. And he knows the bus is right there, and you can't tell me he doesn't yeah. know that Amber but, is sitting on that bus. It involves females. Bray does not. Bray does not have a brain when it comes to females. Well, he needs to get one. If he just put his arm around her, I would, I would agree with you there. But he didn't. He was like, "Oh, wait, one when you would be more comfortable on the bus and everything." Like, no, he it went through his mind. No, yeah, did go through his mind. I can't. <laughs> I think the only thing that went through his mind is that he didn't want to put his arm around her. And that's why he was like, why don't you go on the bus? And she's just mm-hmm. like, just for a second, please. And he's like, fine. Bray falls for this all the time. He mm-hmm. allowed Ebony to take advantage of him again. He knows he what she does. Always he knows do that's this. what she does. That's why I can't feel sorry for him. Like, I'm sad that he's this dumb, but... <laughs> Bray doesn't want to assume these things about people, even if he doesn't always trust them. And like time will go on where he won't trust ebony at all you know but this is still mm-hmm. the beginning where he does trust her he kidnapped him he he doesn't see it that way you know what i mean he just sees it as his ex-girlfriend being petty mm-hmm. you know he still hasn't seen her do enough where he's like i don't trust you as far as i can throw you this is their relationship this is the way it's always been this is what it will step- always be i'm just what saying do you mean like, he hasn't seen her do enough she she kidnapped Lex as well, and she force fed this this stuff down his throat that they didn't know what it was. They she kidnapped. What do you mean she hasn't done enough? That's I'm what I don't you, get. It's not until she go, crosses the lines in season two and season three that Bray reaches a point where he doesn't trust her. And even then, even then in season three, she's able to convince him she's changed. That is just that's the complication of their relationship. 
I'm not saying I like it. I'm saying this is in character for him. It is consistent for Bray. Mm-hmm. This doesn't come out of nowhere. It may be frustrating to watch, but it's consistently who he is. And this is his relationship with Ebony. And it stays this way until the day he disappears. No, I'm not saying it's not consistent and it's not who he is. I'm disappointed that there was no development. There was no more character development in that aspect. But when it's in his face and he knows, he, he's being told this is what's happening. And he's still just, it, it's disappointing is what it is. And I guess that's on the writers, not on the character. um i think you all make a good point but you are all wrong (laughs) (laughs) oh god oh lord here we go clearly bray is subconsciously still in love with ebony no and it is shown okay well it is shown (laughs) (laughs) it is shown throughout this episode and especially through that moment that's that's number one number two the only thing i'm mad about bray is just the fact that he keeps teasing Ebony about not going all the way just fully in love. I understand he's kind of technically with Amber and all that, but I don't think that should matter too much. Uh, yes, Bray is, Bray is naive, and it is consistent throughout the entire series. He's naive, but not in the aspect that he loves Ebony. Like he may still like have some uh, some care some care for her because you know he knew her before the virus. He doesn't want to see anything bad happen to her you know what i mean but i don't feel like he loves her that way i think you're just trying you're trying to like get us to see this point of view and i just don't see it i'm sorry ebony is just another one of his might have beens yeah i think it's love Mm -mm. i mean i like the idea of bray and ebony together don't get me wrong oh i write them together all the time Mm-hmm. It's just—it's uh—it's tribe love. That's what it is. If Ryan, if Ryan thinks he loves Celine, and if that's tribe love, then then Bray loves Ebony. I wonder if Bray's attachment with Ebony has anything to do with the fact that she's one of the only other people besides Trudy who came from his life before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who, who knew Martin? You know, um, remember he and Eb- Ebony—they met, they started a relationship when the world was normal. You know, yeah. he was allowed to sort just, of. Be, just allowed to be a teenage boy. You know, um, his parents weren't sick yet. Yeah, people were getting sick, but at the time they met, it wasn't encompassing everything, and they got to have something—just a normal teenage romance. Yeah, and then everything fell apart, and Bray convinced himself for a long time that Ebony only changed because the world ended. Mm-hmm. And he was—he's always been convinced that he could get her back to the person he met, that sweet girl that she had convinced him she was you know <laughs> that, that and, sweet girl that told him that he was about to hurt his brother if he would go out with Trudy yeah you know he that's who he met that was the ebony she presented herself as you know and it wasn't until everything went wrong that he started seeing sides of her that he didn't like mm-hmm. that he couldn't be with and then she broke his heart and ended it and ran off and in the same way that he convinced himself that his brother only started showing psychotic urges once the world ended bray would never believe that martin might have had those psychotic thoughts long before the world ended um he's a sweet baby brother yeah he sees them as a victim of the apocalypse and i think he sees ebony the same way and i it really it's a complicated thing he can't let Mm -hmm. go of her no matter what she i don't think it's love so much as just this attachment that's what i'm saying yeah you know this was somebody from before you know someone who knew him before he (laughs) He probably knew his parents as well 
they went to they they spent time together. They had friends together. They visited friends. They held a baby together. They had exactly. something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just not easy for him to give up on her no matter what she does. I, I'm not saying it's healthy or it's something I can really relate to or that I would do the same thing, but I mean, yeah, he does really dumb things when it comes to Ebony. He can't see straight when it comes to her. I don't I don't think it's oh, I'm still in love with her and I just I'm in denial, just more like I can't let go of this last thread to my previous life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the same way that he was with with Martin or Zoot, you know, at the end there, still trying to convince him. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget, Bray likes helping damsels in distress, and he had just helped Ebony get to safety out of the city, and then after everyone else. He does like to be the knight in shining armor. Yeah. Yeah, he he just seen her vulnerable after, you know, losing her throne. He might have thought in that moment that he could finally convince her and convert her, you know, mm-hmm. from the dark side. He's looking at her like, are you done? Are mm-hmm. you, now that your experiment didn't work out, are you ready to see reason? Yep, you you're ready to be civilized and mm-hmm. live in a civilized society. Yeah. And she's like, sure, whatever you want to think, Bray. <laughs> mm-hmm. She'll sure. tell him anything, anything that she thinks he wants to hear. You're right, Bray. I am just an innocent, sweet, you know, victim of this world. <laughs> what was I thinking? I should have listened to you all along. <laughs> and she knows the mole rats are her best bet right now. Well, yeah, because she knows, the, you know, they're the only active people looking for a solution. Mm-hmm. And Bray is the only active person willing to defend her. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, that, you know, that really goes to show, like, what, you know, the, the heart that Bray does have. You know, and mm-hmm. the the caring that he still does care. He does care for her, you know, like Liz, you know, explained. Um, because he could have just left her. He could have saw that it was hitting the fan and he could have just taken off. But he didn't. He He's not that guy. I mean, exactly. the first thing he says to her after they have to beat back Spike? Now are you ready? Now to are you ready? Him? Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Yep. He's just waiting her out because he's convinced that yeah. she can be brought back. Or maybe there's just this because he couldn't save his brother. He wants to save her, yeah. He needs mm-hmm. to save her. Right. Know. He he has this innate urge to protect her. And I do feel like a lot of that comes from Martin and his and his not being able to protect him. Because I don't believe he would have ever actually given up on Zoot, you know? No, he wouldn't. No. So he's not going to with her. At least, you know, as things are now. Toxic relationships are very difficult to end. Oh, I know. Just makes me sad. But I'll throw you guys a bone. He's an idiot. <laughs> I know. That's why I said he. Why? That's why I'm so sad. Is why does he got to be so dumb? <laughs> but why? Like I know everything you're saying makes sense. Okay. But why does he have to be dumb? Because some guys just are. He has to have a fatal flaw. I know. But no offense, boys. Like I guess that is the flaw. You know, he's supposed to be good at like everything else, and then when it comes to women, nope. Dirt, 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 Exactly. <laughs> Can't have it all. I guess not. He's got the hair, but that's about it. It's like, you're so pretty, and you're so good, and you're <laughs> yeah. so dumb. <laughs> you're so dumb. Amber, I feel terrible. Why? About you and Bray. I really didn't mean to stir things up for you. It's all right. I'm glad you told me before things got too complicated. You left a message for him back on the mall, didn't you? So he could come after us? 
I thought I was doing the right thing. Don't feel bad about it. Do you believe in this mountain of Tysands? <sighs> right now, I, I don't believe in anything. Does everyone still kind of agree with um, just Amber's stance in all this and not agreeing with what Bray is saying? Because um, there is a little conversation that she has with Trudy earlier on where um, Trudy says, do you believe in this mountain of Tysands? And Amber just sighs and says, right now, I don't believe in anything. Um, yeah, do you still like agree with her thoughts on all of this? I'm two minds about it. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and explain. I have mind of how I felt at the time and trying to isolate this situation between them. And then, of course, unfortunately, it's colored by what I know comes later. Mm-hmm. In the same, you know how like you can't look at Ryan and Celine and think of them as sweet because you know how toxic that relationship becomes. This really does color my opinion of where Amber stands, and I'm gonna try and be fair, but like on the fair hand, I understand Amber's never gone through this before. She's never felt this before, and I've been where she is, where it's just like you can't think rationally about this perceived betrayal by somebody. Um, and it's not till you, you have to grow, you have to grow up and then look back on it and realize, oh, maybe I wasn't fair about that, you know, because you didn't know how to handle it. You didn't know how to handle the pain. Um, and if this was the only time Bray and Amber had gone through this kind of misunderstanding where she doesn't even want to hear his side, like she doesn't want, she wants to ignore any evidence that she might've been wrong about him. I would, I'd let it slide. I totally would. I'd be like, oh, it's just a bump in the road that they had to work through through this young relationship. But unfortunately, this is just a pattern for Amber. Um, once she's made up her mind that this person did her wrong, she will ignore all evidence to the contrary. It's almost like being angry is more important than finding out what actually happened. Mm -hmm. And her reaction to Bray... Being angry and feeling yeah, right. like I'm right. I'm right to be this angry. And mm -hmm. any evidence that she's not... She's not actually interested in making up with Bray. She's not interested in hearing what he has to say. She nope. just wants to be justified in her anger. And she him. just wants him to see how much he's hurt her. And it's like even um, like her reaction to Bray, you would think like, I want you to pretend you didn't see the pool. Like you have no context for what Bray apparently did. And just think of this episode alone. Doesn't it sound as though Bray actually did do something? Yes, it does. I, yeah. I, thought, I thought that myself as well. I go, what is she implying right now? Because he's going to think that she's implying something that it was way off base. Bray is, he mm -hmm. said, there's nothing going on between us. He's trying to, you know, and even Ebony says there's nothing going on between us. I mean, granted, she's mocking Amber when she does it, mm -hmm. but she does say, look, I tried to hook up with your man, but for whatever reason, he's still into you. Don't know why, yeah. but he is. And she doesn't even want to consider that that might be the truth. And she will continue this down the line. You would think Bray had said, I did mess around with Am Ebony and I'm sorry. And then yep. Amber was trying to, for couldn't forgive him. That's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I'm trying to be fair. If this was the only time this ever happened between them, I would be like, yeah, she has every right to feel this way. But since it's not, and it's actually a pattern of behavior for Amber, I'm just like... It's <laughs> annoying. Yeah. yeah, she's one of those people that when she feels like she's been wrong, she shuts down. Mm -hmm. And there's no reasoning with her. There's she's worse no getting than, through to her. Yeah, there, it, it, I don't even know how to describe it, you know? She could legit watch a recording of what really happened and still and ignore still. it. 
And, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And still see what in her mind she thinks happened. And then still get mad at that person when they finally give up trying to convince her. Yep. Oh, well, why'd you stop? Why are you not trying anymore? Well, why well, should I? listen to me. You don't believe exactly. me. Why would I bother to keep trying? So it's this is difficult for me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's just colored by too much crap that happens in the future. That, that I think is unfortunate, you know, since we are mm-hmm. biased because we know, <laughs> you know what I mean? What happens down the line. But it's like, I'm trying to be like, nah, I've done this, you know, because I didn't know any better. Same. Yeah. And I'm so hurt. And then you later mm-hmm. you look back and go, oh boy, I was so mean to that poor boy. <laughs> I blamed him, you know, and she's just great at making assumptions. Yeah, she is. She's very good at seeing, you know, certain things, hearing whatever, and then putting together a story in her mind. Mm-hmm. The only thing I just, even when I'm being fair to her, this is my one question. When the water trial came up, Amber didn't even consider for a second that Bray stole that water. Nope. Mm-hmm. Even though she, the only evidence she had that he didn't do it was he said he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. She believed him wholeheartedly. She gave him the, the benefit of the doubt and she was willing to go to war for him. Yep. Okay. So I just, if you trust him and now you guys are a couple, why can't you give him the benefit of the doubt? Not even a little bit to allow him to explain himself. I, 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 I just don't like, I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's a good question. Cause I, you know, she, it, I guess with the water trial, it didn't involve, her being in a relationship with him and then him being with another woman. Yeah, it wasn't about her. Yeah, it wasn't about her, her and her feelings, you know. It was about making sure that he... And it, you're right, it doesn't make much sense as to why she can't trust him if she trusted him then. But this is... It's, I feel like it's different, you know, because they're in a relationship now and it's... Her heart's going to be broken, or it has been broken in her eyes, you know? So she doesn't want to listen to him at all. Yeah, it's that Sasha effect. She's just I'm really so desperately afraid of being so hurt, so completely that mm-hmm. she's just shut herself off from mm-hmm. listening to reason. Yeah, yeah. I'm suddenly wondering, was the water trial after Sasha left? Yeah. Yes, because it it's what brought her out of her, yeah. her stupor. Right. I just feel like if you love somebody and you can't give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe there's more wrong with your relationship than you thought. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, definitely. It's even different if he had done this to her before. Then I would totally yeah, understand her but being like, he's watched how he, wa- how he was with the other women. But yeah, the, the, the other girls. Were very and different. They were different. They, they were, were they, different. They, she knows they're different, but in the mind of a lover who's been cheated on. You know what I mean? That's or not what you're going to think of. Been cheated on. Yes, yes, but you know, like it, that's not what they're going to think of. They're going to think of how easily Bray was with these women. How easy he, mm-hmm. how, how easily he bounced, you know, from from one girl to another. You know, kissing Celine and staying in Trudy's room, and like she's going to see these things in her head, and that's all she's going to think about. And it's like, then mm-hmm. why are you with him? If you exactly. don't trust him, you shouldn't be in this relationship with him. And that's the thing is she probably thought right. that she did trust him, 100% trusted him until this moment happened. And then all these things are popping into her head, you know, that's just what would happen if I was in that situation. It's just, you know, from my I point mean, of view. Before that, she didn't know about Bray and Ebony's past. No. You know, she just saw the moments with the women near her. And yeah, how minor that was at first, but now she knows about his history with Ebony and seeing what she thinks he has seen. Yep. Yeah, she makes more of it 
in her mind than there actually was. And I can kind of understand why, which is strange for me, but yeah, I, <laughs> I can kind of see Amber's point. I don't say it's a good point, but I can see where she's coming from. Yeah, I probably would be more apt to believe that something was happening after finding out, you know, that they had a history. You know what I mean? And Bray is a pretty that would boy. He is a pretty you know, boy. You know, pretty boy. She's probably pretty known boy. pretty boys in her own school with reputations. And, and you know, and okay, trusting Bray not to steal water is entirely different than trusting Bray not to kiss another woman while in a relationship. Mm-hmm. That's those are two entire like you know his moral yeah. compass may be flip flopped on different things <laughs> and he may not think he may be a free love type of person I don't know <laughs> and see this is why I can't get on board with Bramber because you guys are right you know what I mean it's <laughs> you guys are right that it's different when it comes to trusting someone not to do one thing and then trusting them not to do another mm-hmm. and yeah. so at the end of the day it's like you two shouldn't be together you don't trust him and uh, this is. This is a relationship that will always have this fractured trust system, and it's going to be the root of every conflict you ever have. You shouldn't be together. I can't get on board with Bramber. Oh, no, I, I completely understand that. I get it. Look, look, I like Bramber. You guys know this. You know what I mean? But I also don't 100% believe that they are good for each other either. They both bring out the worst in each other. And they also, they bring out the best, but, you know, the worst kind of outweighs that a little bit. Because you don't really see a lot of these negative traits with Amber until Bray is involved. So You see how negative traits if men are involved. I know, but I say Bray because the only other guy, man was Sasha. And was he really a man? I don't know. You just couldn't resist. (laughs) I could not resist. I did not like Sasha. Poor Sasha. People hate Sasha. I don't know why. No. It's it was the doll arms. It was the doll arms. He's funny. This this episode just reminded me as to why I just I've never I've tried I try to root for Bramber. I understand mm-hmm. why people love them, but it's when we get to this episode, I'm like, oh yeah, that's why. I this is why I've never yeah. been able to. Well, this starts mm-hmm. the pattern of this toxic relationship that just they're meant be. to be that tr- that that couple that's supposed to you know be loved by everyone because they're the protagonist couple, you know. Um, I'm just like in, this is so unhealthy. Yeah. And us, we, you know, tear, tear, break these things down and tear these things apart and overanalyze everything, you know, and it's, no, they're not good for one another. I think even before we started analyzing things, I mean, first time I saw this and, well, then the seasons to come, I was not cheering for Bray and Amber together. I wasn't either. Back in the day, I did not like them together at all. Mm. They just felt wrong. Yeah, I agree. Bray, Bray Denis all day. No, I've always been a Bray and Trudy fan. I was pro no. Bray and Trudy and pro Bray and Danny. I don't like so Danny. That's gonna be so. so that's going to be fun next season. Oh, okay. it's going to be great. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, with Amber, it's, um, you know, as far as we know, this is the f- first ever relationship she's been in, right? There was Sasha. There was Sasha. Well, that wasn't. Was that a relationship? No, but, but see, yes, Amber, Amber absolutely 100% considered it a relationship. You know? So, yeah. From I her would say point of view, it was. But I don't know if I believe okay. that this is her okay. first relationship. So. Well, maybe that would make sense then if Sasha was her first, because since it went by so fast, she didn't really learn anything from it, per se. <laughs> and I think that Amber 
you know, she's so young, she's still learning about relationships and we'll see her get into many more relationships. But I think Sasha most- was her summer fling. Yeah. Yeah. Summer, like a summer, <laughs> the summer camp crush, you know? Absolutely. I think the number one thing Amber has to learn in, uh, in being in a relationship, especially just for her, is to never believe believe nothing you hear and then half of what you see. And if all else fails, just communicate with your partner. And, you know, before she even decides to talk to Bray about anything, she just wants to make up stories in her head, which is always a problem. And, which is what most women do. Right, right. But um but yeah, I, I agree. This is totally major points off of Bray and Amber as a couple. And so far for Ebony and Bray, the score is twenty eight to one. Uh, zero. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bud. Bray's taken. <laughs> By who? By everybody but Ebony. <laughs> everybody but Ebony, yeah. <laughs> How many did you lay out before you got to Top Hat? I'd say six or seven. Six or seven? Each. Whoa. I swear it. Word of honor. Just a, a quick one, guys, because uh, we mentioned this in the previous episode. But um, during this, the journey, um, the Moritz make a pit stop, and it's here that Lex regales the group with his tale of taking on Top Hat. Um, yeah, how does everyone still feel about this? Because... Does Lex spinning his tail make it better or worse for you? I still wish we, if they weren't going to let us see it, then they should have not involved Top Hat. But I do understand why they want to give Lex a heroic moment before he loses his wife, blah, blah, blah. So for me, this is kind of harmless and cute because nobody believes Lex except for Casey, you know. Yeah. And the others are just (laughs) smiling indulgingly, you know, to like his exaggerated tale of heroism like Zandra clearly appreciates the gesture of what her husband mm-hmm. did for her honor. And it's just a harmless tale, you know, of mm-hmm. it is, it is. Yeah. Just, I enjoyed it. Yeah, actually. It's pretty cute. I thought it was nice. They, it's story time. They needed a little, you know, entertainment. Yeah. And, and they're all indulging him and not saying anything about it because, well, what's the use of that right now? Exactly. Uh, like they're just enjoying the story and letting him yeah. have it. What's the harm? All they have right now is mm-hmm. each other. It's not hurting anyone. So, meh. Let them have it. Casey's face lighting up. Like, how many people did you have to take out? You know? And you see the girl, you know, Ryan, Celine, and Sandra all smirking as he explains, oh, yeah, it was like seven or eight apiece. And Casey's like, what? You know? And <laughs> I don't know. There's just something very sweet about it. It was. And then Ryan confirming it just. <laughs> you know, for the kids' enjoyment. It was adorable. But yeah, it made complete sense to me that Lex would fabricate this um, Top Hat story a bit because the stories he was telling with, with him and Zoot totally were like off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it was a cool thing to see. Doesn't really surprise me. Lex is a, uh, he's a pretty good liar. Maybe I was just relieved that he wasn't being a negative force on this trip mm-hmm. maybe that's it i was just like proud of him for being productive and positive the whole way up this mountain <laughs> we already got this friggin' drama over here with the love story twins and i didn't need lex to become a problem so it was nice that he wasn't being one okay uh, this next bit really <laughs> <laughs> it's really surprised me actually on the rewatch so um with the boss out of action and no map 
Jack is forced to rely on Tyson's very oddly specific <laughs> directions <laughs> as the gang carry on towards Eagle Mountain on foot. Um, and Tyson has also been growing more and more connected to Jack, calling to stay with her so that she can gain more insight into their journey and calling for him often. And we have to mention Tal's spurned lover exit stayed left routine when <laughs> Tyson begs Jack to stay with her later on. Panel, uh, so many questions here. I, what do you think is going on here between Tyson and Jack? <laughs> Tyson's freaking out. I think she's freaking out. She doesn't know what she's doing and she wants Jack to ground her. <laughs> and Jack is freaking out because he, he knows he doesn't Tysan. have the math. Yeah, yeah she, so he wants Tyson to pick up the slack. They both have no idea what they're doing. That's what's going it, it, on. It's like, help me, Tyson. You're my yeah. only hope. <laughs> actually really nice since this has been a conflict between spiritualism and science all mm-hmm. this time mm-hmm. and the both of them completely discounting the other's beliefs and yeah. showing zero respect for each other because they don't believe in the same thing and then this situation with them both coming up with eagle mountain together um it kind of forces them to look at each other and uh, consider the other person's point of view. And I just thought this was a cute visualization of those two points of view having to kind of meet each other midway because that's usually where the answer really is um, in life. And um, so I I liked that. Jack doesn't have a map and Tysan doesn't know the way. She's just allowing herself to be guided there. And um, I I really like the way Tysan's opening up to like Jack, for some reason, I don't know why we clicked. I don't know how we got the same answer, but maybe that's the universe telling me I need to start like considering you and where you're coming from. And maybe together we're stronger, blah, blah, blah. And you have Jack, like, I really don't have a choice but to listen to you, even if I think this is totally crazy. Um, But I felt bad for Dal. Dal, this is a red flag. Your boyfriend will dump you over a girl (laughs) in a heartbeat. Your boyfriend's going to leave you for her. I felt Ow. bad for Dal. Like, what, Jack? Are you serious? <laughs> How dare he? So I thought Jack and Tyson was cute, and I like that, and I like that message it's giving you, but I feel super bad for Dal. <laughs> Dal has supported him through everything. He's the only one that's stuck by his side. And it's like, he came back to him. Seriously? Are you kidding me? You're just going to stay here on the mountain with her after I already told you I'm leaving in the morning. This is what mm-hmm. Jack's supposed to say. Yeah. Okay, you know, I'll, I'll be leaving with you. I'm sorry, Tyson, or whatever, but I would have been pissed if I was down. <laughs> oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say, it would have been really funny to see Dale kind of react to that. <laughs> 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 like, he would just walk up to Patsy, and he's like, so what do you think they're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> think they like each other it does speak to how confused jack is about his own standing you know his point of view was so firm jack knew what he believed you know and yeah tyson getting the same answer as him and tyson finding the mountain without a compass without a map it's really kinda, now he's going through a little bit of a crisis you know we, oh i bet you know, we saw tyson go through one and now it's jack being just like i'm not really sure my whole belief system is kind of being thrown. I don't know what to do with that. Should I start? Should I start paying attention more to what Tyson says? Should I stay here? Yeah. Is the universe talking to us? Like, like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe she really is a witch. Maybe if I stay here, we will get the answer to the virus. Like Jack's having a hard time right now. Shouldn't desert your boyfriend no. though. 
Jack. Poor boy. <laughs> you should talk Dal into staying with you. You don't just let him walk away. He's so oblivious to it, too. Uh, I, I wasn't going to talk about it, but I'm gonna... <laughs> I stand <laughs> directions. How? <laughs> Why? Like, it's did she, magic! Did she secretly study a book or a map or something? Like, how, oh yeah, we just go five miles down there, over the mountain, and then we'll see a lake. And that what? Like, no. It was all in her dream. She saw the pictures <laughs> in her dream. But yeah, I would not have been surprised if she did study the map. It begins. To, I begin to wonder about she it. Probably yeah. did. <laughs> but I mean, we see what she does in the future. You know, with a certain something. Yeah, uh, but it's just that you know. One thing I can give her is if you don't know where you're going and you're near mountains, your best chance of seeing where you need to go is by going up one. If you can overlook things. Yeah, she just went to the top of that hill hoping to see something. Yeah. This is how she found them all, you guys. Um, Mm -hmm. Python's a very instinctual creature. Yeah. You know, and she finds herself at peace with nature. And um, there are people who can do this, who don't, they don't study topography or maps or anything like that. But, you know, they're the kind of people who does it. You know, they're people who are like, I know that moss grows on the north side of a tree. So I always know that that Mm -hmm. is north. Um, They... They pay attention to, oh, what are the birds doing? Oh, the leaves are turning a certain way. That means rain is coming. You know, um, mm-hmm. they're instinctual. And Tyson is just being very, like, common sense traveling through the wilderness. That's how we've met mm-hmm. her, you know, when she meets Chloe. She doesn't even know where she's going, you know. She's a good tracker. You know, she's just kind of, yeah. this is her thing. And uh, I liked it because there is, like, people can do this, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think she saw the map. I really do believe for Tysan, she's just <laughs> yeah. No, it. I think she is just she is just winging it. But I, it, considering you know, season two, it would have surprised me as well. yeah. But but in this case, it's probably no. She saw this just, crap in her in her dreams, and she's tracking it. You know, going in the direction that she knew was Eagle Mountain, and. See, uh, this is the problem with what they've tried to do with Tyson because it's not quite spiritual. It's not quite science. It's, they've left it so vague that you don't, like, it's not properly spiritual. If you get what I'm saying? It's not like, because like, you get Jack, which is the technical side, and you know mm-hmm. it's like, technical, but with Tyson, it's so murky that you don't even completely believe that it is spiritual. You see what I'm saying? It's, so you think mm-hmm. that is the perfect definition of spiritualism? It is murky. You know, um, I think it means, you know, different things for different people. Yeah, and it's, Tysan goes by on a faith. A faith of what? I'm not entirely sure what her faith is. But that's what makes her do the Gaia. that she does. She just <laughs> believes, you know, and spiritualism is extremely murky. It's like, how does this work? You know what I mean? Um, how, I don't know, I just, for me, my experience growing up in a religious household and becoming quite spiritual as a young adult. This is my experience with it. And uh, so I, for me, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> uh, this, is, it, this feels like a spot on uh, representation of how confusing it can be and how nonsensical and how sometimes things happen to bolster your belief that this must be what you should be doing. And then other things are just like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, why are we doing this? I don't understand. This contradicts itself all the time. And so, yeah, to me, it's like, yeah, that's spiritualism in a nutshell. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. 
Uh, honestly, I'm probably like my second time or third time watching it. It honestly just felt logical to just think that she probably got some plant and she, I don't know, she's like really good at herbology. Maybe she sniffed too much of some type of plant and then she started hallucinating. That's the thing is, I don't think Tysan's into like that type of stuff. Like, I don't think no. she would, you know, do things necessarily like that to alter her, her state of being. I think she likes things to be natural. Um, she's following her, you know, natural instincts and uh, just doing what she does, you know. Like, I think her spirituality comes from Mother Earth, you know. There's a balance to everything, elemental and all that. I can see that. Then again, she does like her tea. And maybe there is, maybe she does seem kind of wonky because even the writers weren't exactly sure mm-hmm. what they were doing with her. Um, because her behavior does kind of alter in season two and going forth. Um, yeah. She's not as much of a free spirited kind of forest child with the ether. She starts trying to lock down her belief system to actual like books and things that she's read. And so I, I don't know if maybe it was just the writers not really knowing. They didn't want her to be too concrete in season one. And then later on, they, they tried to make her more concrete, which kind of makes Tysan more contradictory than she ever was mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But that could just be growing up, too. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That could be that, mm-hmm. too. It's not. It's so easy to believe certain things when you're young. And then you get older and real life clouds those innocent beliefs. And um, and I do think real life did, you know, come in and show her that things aren't what she may think that they are, you know? Especially when your beliefs keep being wrong. Yeah, exactly. And may cause yeah. harm because they were wrong. Yep. You know, um, that can mess you up too. So this might just be Tyson at her most innocent in that, <laughs> like, the last dregs of being able to just innocently believe any of this. And um, then she's forced to grow up as the seasons continue. Look at them. Still taking orders from Bray like good little sheep. Shut up, Ebony. What did you say? You heard me. You've caused enough trouble. If you don't like it here, then go back. No one will miss you. The Morats eventually reach an observatory on Eagle Mountain, although it's not immediately clear what their next move should be. When Ebony voices her dissatisfaction, she is shocked to receive a dressing down from Trudy. And later, while trying to get one up on Lex by revealing that he destroyed the original antidote, She's fooled again when Bray takes the blame. Yeah, Panna, what was your first impressions of the observatory and what did you make of all the immediate interactions between the group? I was very... It was nice to see the tribe sticking together as a tribe, you know, like telling Ebony no. Mm-hmm. And, and Bray doing what he did with, you know, protecting Lex, if you will. Um, it really showed me and, you know, that... that they are a tribe, they're a family, and she's not going to come in and she's not going to stir trouble. They're not going to allow it. And I think that's wonderful. I liked how um, the whole journey, the tone of it, getting up this mountain, it keeps crescendoing and then crashing down, crescendo, crash down, crescendo. So our, our heroes will hit uh, a pit stop, like, oh, a barricade. Are we going to get past mm-hmm. these guys? And then the bus comes and saves them. And then it's like, yay, we're on a high. And then boom, the bus breaks down. Now we're on foot and we're struggling and we're kind of lost. You know what I mean? And then we get another high. Guess what? You know, Tysan's leading the way. She's going to figure this out. And then we're reaching the point where it's like, oh boy, this, we're, you know, this better be up there because we're out of food and Jack's starting to panic and, you know, Tysan can't give him a straight answer. And then boom, she's like, Jack, look up here, up here. They found the observatory. Yay, another high. Then they get in the observatory and it's like, there's nothing here. Like, we don't even know what we should be looking for. 
And then, you know, oh, there's food. Okay, we're not going to starve. Now what? Oh, we can't get these computers to turn on. And then finally they do. And it's just a roller coaster ride this whole way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, okay, okay, what's going to happen next? You know, um, so I do like that tonal. It feels like an emotional journey, even though it's not very, like, visually, it's not a long journey. Um, but I do like it visually because we keep getting a bunch of different location shots that make it feel like the kids are actually traveling, which I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. These location shots are so gorgeous. <laughs> like it really looks like they're trekking up a mountain, you know. Um, it looks exhausting, but because they can't spend a ton of time on it, those crescendos, those up and downs make you feel like you kind of took the journey with them because you're a little emotionally exhausted by the end. Like what else could go wrong? <laughs> so I, I did like that. Um, and I, I like what Maggie says about, you know, Ebony not being able to come between the group like we let you tag along but you're not one of us do not cause trouble for us because mm -hmm. we won't tolerate it i liked bray standing up for lex lex didn't deserve it because remember when lex came back to the mall he added to amber's um you know feelings of despair mm -hmm. over bray by saying why would bray come back he seemed really cozy with ebony lex didn't have to do that that was just mean, you know, and... But Bray doesn't know that. I'm, my point is, it says much a <laughs> no. better person than Bray is. His first mm -hmm. instinct it was does. to defend Lex, despite what Lex had done, you know, um, and just be like, Ebony, don't, don't, he's been playing Peacemaker this whole time. Don't cause any trouble. You know, and we have, mm -hmm. yep. yeah, don't do that. He wouldn't allow her to, to tear, you know, to tear Lex down and to, and to put Lex you know in that that place so i thought it was great and you see lex was not expecting that and he feels like a heel so of course he repays the favor you know um but i like that about their relationship mm -hmm. ebony being put in her place like look you don't belong here do not start trying to come between us you've already caused enough trouble i love the observation scene i think it's gotten to a point now in the season where uh, these characters can now just write themselves. All you have to do is just put them in different locations or you know, at a brand new location and just seeing how everyone reacts to it. It's just fantastic. They don't really explore the observatory, which I thought was weird. I will say that I thought that was a little weird. Like they mm -hmm. walk into one empty room and they're like, that's it. I'm like, dude, there's a whole building. Check out the whole place. <laughs> right. But Yeah. Obviously, nobody stayed for whatever reason. No one stayed. No one decided to take the food. <laughs> it did annoy me that they didn't explore the rest of the building. I mean, I suppose ignoring everything else, like, it is just a signpost to go back to the sea to find the antidote. So, mm -hmm. no reason to stay for now. Yeah. I did feel them. I felt their disappointment when they first get there. The door is locked. And then they get inside and it seems like it's an empty room. I had to climb a mountain once and it only took me six hours but i remember getting to the top of this freaking big ass mountain and i am pissed i'm furious i have had a hard time getting up this thing at one point i was sobbing my eyes out because i thought i was stuck on it for the rest of my life oh. i get to the top i'm surrounded by trees my friend greets me he was up there sooner than me he's like isn't this awesome i'm like where is the view and he goes oh you have to climb a tower and i was like i just climbed the mountain i was so angry you guys i felt the mall rats frustration like there better be a burger bar up here with directions to the antidote that's how upset i am I this was exhausting i want answers a lemonade stand serving the antidote 
That's I what I'd ask 30 for. miles and that you want me to keep <laughs> searching? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I felt that. I felt that in my gut. <laughs> but uh, what else did they expect? You know, it's not like, why on earth would there suddenly be just a bunch of files of the antidote ready for them at the top of that mountain? That's why they went there. Yeah, but... They went there for answers. So you want yeah. there to you want to have gone there for a good reason. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, I guess I get what's you know Sabine's saying. Like, what exactly did they expect it to be laid out in front of them as a buffet? You know, for their picking to just say, "Oh, this is exa- antidote right here. This is what it is." Like, it's kind of like they expected to walk in and it just be handed to them. You know, at least that's the way the react the reaction. You know, to the, the the disappointment and their frustration and it just being a room, you know. I mean, I agree with you. Like, this is a very realistic scavenger hunt for the answer. I'm glad they had yeah. to put this much work into finding it because otherwise, wouldn't any of adults found it? But anyway, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, right, you know, and they've got more work. So to I like in. the fact that they had to start from scratch, from zero to get here. But I still just totally get why they're so done with this. Oh, yeah. No, I understand. Mm-hmm. Too. Yeah, that's everybody at the end of a road trip. We've gone this far and now we have to do more. Right. It's just like, you know, that some of those, like some of the, these characters genuinely believe that they thought it was just going to be there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Jack, they know that they're going to have to search for stuff. You know, they're going to have to look. Whereas like maybe Chloe and Patsy, maybe they were like, is it just going to be there? I don't know. You know, Lex too, maybe. No, because Lex, Lex went- is naive enough to. Yeah, but I mean. The people who went to Hope Island should have at least been realistic enough. Yeah, I feel like their reactions are completely in line, very realistic. Um, I don't. I I feel like if I had traveled thirty miles hoping an answer would be there, I would be disappointed too. You know, even though yeah, logically, I should have known better. But why else did I go on this journey? You know, I went because I needed to believe mm-hmm. the answer would be there only for it not to be there in flaming neon letters for me, I'm going to be disappointed, you know? And yeah. I mean, I can it's see it's, that once a, it's a dead end. Yeah. Your hope. You've got your hope yeah. up. Or it feels and like a dead like, end. Oh, yeah. I don't, where am I supposed to go next? You know, what's the next step in the scavenger hunt? And, and you're scared to get your hope up for the next step of the scavenger hunt. Because what if this one also leads to nowhere, you know? And will I survive to make it to the end of this hunt? So... I get it. I just, I get it. Mm-hmm. Start to get exhausted after a while. Oh, yeah. And I can especially see the ones that had already gone to Hope Island being even more exasperated. With yeah. mm. Like, they've done this already. Been here, done that. You know, where's the minefield? Like, and it, to, to feel like it was for nothing. Uh, that little part actually bugged me, you know? That, that there wasn't a minefield? No, that they didn't even check for one. <laughs> Yeah, the, yeah, they didn't even think, oh, there might, well. Wait, the last place was booby-trapped. Maybe this one might be too. Tyson would have sensed it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> With her, <laughs> her magic powers. Magic powers. Someone on the YouTube comments for this episode said, oh, I'm a hippie, but Tyson is like on some other type of mushroom. <laughs> That's the thing is, I genuinely don't believe that she is inebriated at all. I just think that maybe she nope. was raised this way. You know, she was raised to, you know, believe in certain things and to stay strong to those beliefs. Yeah. And also, this is such a cool location, like the way like the computers are set up and the way the lights are, are dimmed. 
it's kind of it's a little bit upsetting that it you know eventually it's going to get destroyed and this is like the last time they're like inside the observation room um i just thought it would would have been really cool to have some more scenes here and like in future seasons yeah I was thinking that not too long ago, actually, about how disappointed I was that we probably wouldn't be able to, they'd not be able to use Eagle Mountain again as, you know, a place to shoot. Mm. That would have been cool to have a tribe there. I was just thinking that it would have been even cooler if they would have, like, announced the observation place as, like, their fallback home. Right. We're just going to stay here. Look at all this food. Like, if, if something ever goes wrong, if the tribe is like attacked, the, the city's gone to hell, meet back here, no matter what. Yep. That would have been really cool. <laughs> so what? Were you just going to leave without a word? I thought it would be easier this way. Yeah. Well, you would, wouldn't you? You always found it easier to run. If you feel that strongly, Amber, why'd you come after me? Because she's crazy, but isn't that obvious? Jack manages to activate the observatory's satellite tracking system, but the group are disheartened when nothing is found. Speaking of something not being found, true to form, Bray has already disappeared. This leads to Amber confronting him and the pair being reunited after some home truths from Lex. So, panel, what's your honest opinions about this fan favorite scene? The moment Lex said that they should kiss, it reminded me of a scene in, I think it was It Takes Two, where little girls just said, so kiss already. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I can see that, too. Classic. Just, it, it, I cringe because he literally doesn't even give them a chance to register what he just said. And then he's like, that's your cue to kiss her. And I'm like, what was his cue? You didn't even stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't want to be bothered with them that long. Yeah, I know, and I get it, and I I do like the the concept of the scene. You know, Lex is coming out there now, and he's gonna do Bray a favor back, right? Mm-hmm. He's gonna and he's Am- gonna, and Amber sees it for what that is at first. Exactly, you know. Uh, but Amber and why wouldn't Bray run off? You were <laughs> unreasonable. And it's what Bray always does. I'm not going to say unreasonable, okay? She just wasn't willing to reason with him in that moment. Out of context, I think visually, it looks great. I think it's Mm -hmm. probably my favorite kiss um, in all five seasons, just by itself. Again, out of context, Mm -hmm. not knowing Mm -hmm. who people are. Chemistry is great. It's a beautiful shot. They look like two people in love. I was like, that's a hot kiss. It's really well done. Um, I like mm-hmm. the setting. I even like, you know, Lex having to come out there and be like, repay his favor to Bray as his brother. Like, look, I'm going to help you out because you clearly don't know what you're doing. Um, you yeah. don't know how to make up to a girl, Bray. Here are some clues. I screw up all the time. Let me tell you what you got to do. <laughs> I'm um, an expert. You don't just run off. You, you got to per- say you're sorry, even if you're not in the wrong. Uh, so I like all that. Um, and... I can honestly say that in a bubble, just with season one, I love this, mm-hmm. but it's the last time I'll ever love Amber and Bray. And for me, this is where Amber and Bray dies. Uh, this is the last moment. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm not trying to be fantastic. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. This is the last time that I feel like this is an earned moment between these two. 
Um, this is the last time I feel like it's really the story of Bramber, a couple who had to work their way here, who got to know each other, who shared their vulnerabilities, who were honest with each other. This is the last time I'm going to feel that for them. Uh, because the resurrection of this relationship is a shadow of its former self, just like Amber, a shadow mm-hmm. of her former self. And so by itself, I think it's lovely. But in context, again, it's just like they didn't resolve anything. They didn't talk through the problem no. or the misunderstanding. It took Bray, Ebony, and Lex to convince Amber to even consider that Bray was innocent. And even then, she doesn't talk to him about it. They just suck face. Nothing <laughs> has been resolved here. Um, and it's just going to lead to the next rage-inducing conflict between them. Yeah. And uh, so for me, mm-hmm. it's nice out of context. But otherwise, I'm just like, yeah. I'm glad you guys have it. Enjoy it. Because that's the last you're ever going to really see of this beautiful relationship. Sorry. I just, I'm, I'm too bitter <laughs> by everything that comes <laughs> after. It's Sorry. ruined me. To, I can't enjoy it. <laughs> I know. I know. That's why I say it sucks so badly that we've seen every bit of this so much. You know, we watched it so often. We're so biased towards certain things. Like, it'd be, it'd be so great to be able to watch it all over again for the first time. And not time. know mm-hmm. how, like, yes. this is gonna, what happens next. Knowing what happens yes. next. I was is what makes it hard totally for me with a lot of characters this until season three started and then i knew what happened next yep. you know and i was like are you kidding <laughs> yep but and its own bubble by itself it's quite lovely yeah you know and yeah. it's like okay they got through their big first conflict even though they didn't talk about it whatever they're young they're allowed to they'll talk about it after you know they'll talk about it later <laughs> no they won't <laughs> <laughs> wow way to go thanks too soon <laughs> <laughs> like you guys i really want to love this why are you ruining it for me <laughs> yeah this scene was beautiful it's just um i like to watch it without any audio because it's just it's just like a great scene but all the the context included is kind of i don't know it, com- it comes off as like this b-list romantic comedy that no one wants to watch but <laughs> But I mean, it's 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 good. It's like it's a good, you know, Amber and Bray moment. The kiss is romantic. The lighting is is great. They both have all the few was amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, it's great. Yeah, let's let's move on to what happens immediately after. Because feeling that this is the end of their journey, Lex suddenly makes an announcement that him and Zandra will be leaving the group. And he quickly shoots down Casey's plea to go with them with a kind of cool joke about him being their butler. I want to focus on that first of all. Like, yeah, what did you make of Lex and Zandra's decision to leave the Mall Rats, regardless of any discoveries about the antidote? It was very logical. I could totally understand why they would. Mm-hmm. Me too. They have a child to think about. Zandra has managed not to get ill all this time. I would not want to return to the city if I was either of them. Absolutely not. Lex, yeah, he no. barely survived getting the virus. Maybe it won't be someplace else. You know, I wouldn't want to risk going back there, especially if we have no way to. Me neither. Mm-hmm. Like we have someone else to think about, you know. That's true. Yeah. yeah. For once, it feels like Lex is doing something that isn't just in his own best interest, but right. for her, for his child, for his wife. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not for him. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it surely showed his character and where his character is from the, where it was from the beginning, you know, the first yeah. episode until now. Not to mention, considering what it means to go back to the city, that's another two-day trek, 30 miles, back yeah. into that mm-hmm. hellhole. 
where what is waiting for them? The virus infested. Yeah, what is waiting yeah. for you there? You know what I mean? I don't think I'd want to go back. Mm-hmm. I don't see why any of them would, to be honest. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. with you on that. I'm just, I guess, a little bit surprised that Lex wouldn't wait to see if Jack could find an antidote. Um, I, I think he's already given up on that at this point. I think so too. Or maybe he thinks because he's already taken the antidote, he was cured. He's going to take Zandra away and away from the city. They're not going to need it. You know, I mean, I, I obviously we don't know for sure, but. And I don't know if Lex's mind really goes that deep, but it probably does because I think he's a pretty intelligent fella when he needs to be. Being a near-death experience may have been enough for Lex to be like, yeah. I don't want to test it anymore. You know, um, we yeah. barely survived it this time. I don't want to do it again. And let's not forget, he just pissed off Top Hat. He's not going near that guy again if he gets a chance. Or Tribe Circus, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about that. Mm. But let's just go with Lexus being the responsible mm-hmm. daddy. <laughs> he is. I think he's being making the most logical yeah. choice for himself, his wife, mm-hmm. and his soon-to-be child. And yeah, it it makes total sense that he says it's fine if Casey comes along with it. And oh yeah, what I knew is I was like, yeah, Casey's gonna go. Yeah, his comment about him being the butler is just Lex being Lex. Well, Lex, and yeah. not wanting to say, oh sure, kid, of course I want you to stay with us. Right, he doesn't want to say, yep, we're going to be your new mommy and daddy, but... But, yeah. It's going to be I fine. do hate the way Casey's face falls, so... You know, he wants, oh, he yeah. wants to be with Lex, and Lex is making it sound like, well, we don't really want you around unless we can boss you around. Look at the way Casey's face falls at that. Mm-hmm. It is. It, it, it is. It's very heartbreaking, but that's, you know, that unfortunately, that is Lex's character. That is, he's, he can't let them know or let Casey know that he really does care about it. You know, but it does hurt me. That KC was so upset mm-hmm. about it. Oh, did you think he wanted KC along? Yeah, I, I think so. I think he does. Oh, that's what. I genuinely do. No, I genuinely do believe that yeah. Lex cares about KC. Oh yeah, I just saw, I just saw that scene differently. I thought he was just he was saying that to say that no, we're going alone, <laughs> not having you along. No, I feel like Lex was saying that to save face because that's what he does, mm-hmm. or maybe not even necessarily to save face, but just to make a joke because that's the type of thing that Lex would say. Yeah. You know, that's the type of joke that he would make. He'd make that joke about Ryan. Mm-hmm. Oh, if, I mean, I think maybe, yeah, that he would have been totally fine with Casey going with them. And again, I agree with you guys. He's just being insensitive about it rather than admitting mm-hmm. that, yeah, of course, kid, we're not leaving you behind, you know? Um, yeah. But again, I it, I can understand why Casey would think, oh, I'm not welcome. Uh, I exactly, yeah. yeah. But then again, for all I know, that wasn't the plan to take Casey because the way Zandra looks at Lex, like they didn't discuss taking Casey. It might not have been a, you know, might not even have so come I'm up. Like, I don't know what these two were thinking or what they discussed. It was it just going to be the two of they them? Probably, they probably did plan on it just being the two of them. But then, you know, Casey said he wanted to go and Lex probably was like, yeah, cool, no problem. You know, I don't think Zandra necessarily wanted him to go. Yeah, I think Lex, I think Lex did, but I think Lex has his reasons for it. You know, he, he uses Casey. He uses Casey, but on the other hand, Casey is like mini Lex in his world. Yeah. And I do think that he cares about Casey, but he also knows that Casey is beneficial Mm -hmm. and having Casey around definitely helps, you know, and then just finding out that Casey's the one who saved Zandra from Mm -hmm. Top Hat. There's some gratitude there. Yeah, I wonder where they would have went. Anywhere but there. Who knows? To the other side of the mountain. 
that's where the vagueness of their world causes problems because they should already know what's on the other side of the mountain. I mean, it's literally only 30 miles from their home. They should know what surrounds, what cities are out there. Yeah, but I think it's more, you know, of dis- finding out what's still, like, what it's like now on the other side, what they're going to discover, you know? Like, what is it like over there now since mm-hmm. the adults are gone? It's it's a, you know, post-apocalyptic world. It's Yeah, they always kind of made that sound like it's some type of utopia. <laughs> Yeah, like they they always I I don't think they had the rights to say that it was Wellington, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's the city. It's just the city. Yeah, but that's because they wanted it to be a random city that could be anywhere. Any, yeah, where anybody could relate to it. She's afraid the tribe will split up and she'll be on her own again. I told her not to worry, and then if it came to it, you and I would look after her and Patsy. It'd be kind of like starting her own family. Without all the dirty diapers. Did I say the right thing? Okay, yeah, and with the floodgates open and the tribe on the verge of collapse, the other members of the tribe are forced to now consider their future. Selena's determined to look after the kids, and she asks Ryan if she was wrong to include him in that. Panel, yeah, what do you make of the other groupings being formed? And did it does it sad does it make you sad to feel that this could have been the end of the Morats? Yes, I... Uh... It makes me sad, but I don't know why they couldn't just think of, you know, I don't know why they suddenly decided they were all going to split up. I, I understand Lex and Zandra leaving, you know what I mean? Um, Jack maybe sticking around there for a little bit longer, but why couldn't the others have gone somewhere together? Mm. I think it speaks to the fact that these guys were together by necessity. Mm-hmm. Like they were in the city. They needed a safe place to go. This formed by accident they weren't friends before they didn't even necessarily like Mm -hmm. each other they just needed each other and this is the first time as a group that they're suddenly all faced with a freedom of choice like if i wanted to do something else i could you know there are other people who'd be willing to go with me they've already done the hard part of leaving the city they've they've done that so now it's just like do we you know we don't have to go back we already made it out here you know um I do think that's really interesting because that's the first time many of these characters are facing this uh, this chance to start over if they'd like to and uh, not have to go to the dangerous city to try and start over. They've, they already made it out, you know, and it says something that so many of them are willing to be like, well, it was nice knowing you, but bye. <laughs> like, wow, you guys are willing to disassemble this family really quick. Mm-hmm. That is kind of sad. I feel like I would, it would kind of hurt my stomach a yeah. little bit to realize that the people I depended on were so quick to break up when we no mm-hmm. longer needed each other. And um, but I think that's also pretty realistic. I do think it speaks to Celine's character, though. I mean, here these kids are seeing people leave or talking about leaving. And Celine's first instinct is to tell the girls, no, we'll take care of you. Don't worry. That, 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 that makes sense. It makes sense for her because she was the one looking after the kids before the mall rats formed. Right. They were with her. Yeah. So it makes sense that she instantly says, no, we'll stay with you. And then ask Ryan later if he's actually okay with her saying that he'll stay with them as well. It's also important to realize that Celine isn't suggesting they break off from the rest of the mall rats. No. She's just reassuring the kids that no matter what happens to the group, we won't leave you guys alone. Like, you know, yeah. if everybody else in the group decides to go their mm-hmm. separate ways, you'll still have me and you'll still have Ryan. We will stick together. Yeah. So, I mean, 
if the mall rats mm-hmm. decide to stay together, I'm sure Celine and the kids would, but yeah, she's not suggesting, well, let's go do our own thing. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no, I know she's not. I was just thinking, well, if they would split off and Lex would split off, then who, tr- who would Trudy go with? And I suddenly realized she'd probably try and stick with Ryan and Celine. Yeah. I would think that Trudy would stick with, with, with the kids, Celine and the kids. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely the kids, or she'll just make an excuse to stay next to Bray. No, because Bray was already attempting to take off. Bray wasn't going to take her with him. <laughs> yeah, she, he'd been there, done that. And she wasn't going to stay in his harem. And he knew that if uh, she was with the Marad, she'd be safe. And so many, so many spinoff series could have been could have been done if that was the case. If everyone just went their own separate ways. Oh, enjoy writing them. That's the joy of fan fiction. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I'm sure um, Jack and Dale probably would have went somewhere, right? Well, Jack wasn't sure if he was going to stay with Tysan. Oh, if Jack was staying and Dale was staying. <laughs> Al had already said, I want, I'm going back to the city. I'm leaving tomorrow. What are you doing, yep. Jack? Mm-hmm. And Jack looks between him and Tysan and is like, and Dale's like, are you serious? I'm out. Are you serious? You're choosing her over me? Right. Our history means nothing. I was surprised that Dale said he'd go back to the city. Yeah. Me too. I was just thinking that. That is crazy that he would choose to go to the city instead of, like, now you're already out here. Yeah. Go somewhere else. Find a farm. Yeah, that is a surprise. He's been saying that all season. Now is the time for you to snag Amber and get out while Amber's still being all. Bray sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either the writers completely <laughs> forgot of what Dal has always wanted to do. Or they forgot to include the Dal. The reason he wants to go back to the city is because he hasn't give up, given up on finding this antidote. Mm-hmm. That's true. And, and you know, he did kind of get his fill of trying to go to the countryside. Mm-hmm. And getting sold. Way back when. <laughs> yeah. So that might have definitely deterred him. But I don't see why he wouldn't just stay with Jack. But considering the writers never intended on splitting the Mallrats up, maybe this was just them trying to make it sound like this is the end. Before we suddenly have the satellite give us a message and blah, 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 and change the whole scope. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of those, you know, ups and down things that you were yeah. talking about. Mm-hmm. So it might just been complete drama for drama's sake, since they knew we're not actually splitting these kids up. Yeah. Attention. This is a pre-recorded message. If you are listening to this, the only hope for humanity lies with you, whoever you are. Listen very carefully to what I have to say next. Yeah, that, um, that leads us to the final scenes of the episode, which is the pre-recorded message, which is triggered in the observatory. And the series ends on a cliffhanger, though one that we will remember differently. But yeah, Pan, what did you make um, of how that show actually ended? And what do you think was going to happen next? Like I told you, I was, it, it, I had a moment this morning. It really threw me off anyway. So. And not just you. Uh, yeah, like I, I'm telling you. Um, I think it was definitely a good way to make sure that people tuned in for the season premiere. Mm-hmm. I think I remember really loving it. Um, again, I already knew, you know, stuff that was going to happen. So I didn't see it in perfect mm-hmm. order. But even my first impression of it was this is really cool, you know, because even knowing that these guys would eventually find the answer while I was watching this season for the first time by itself, it did put me in the headspace of feeling like, 
there's no place else to go now that we're here and there are no answers. And I was like, this was really well done, this tone. Because even I was at the sense of hopelessness before they started talking. And I was like, oh, this is what made the kids, you know, mm -hmm. decide to go back. Yeah, it definitely makes you question. I was like, that was yeah. a really cool cliffhanger. Because at this point, these kids have had so many highs, lows, highs, lows, highs, lows on this journey. And finally, there's a voice, a voice from before literally talking to them somebody finally left them a purposeful message everything else they found yes. was an accident mm -hmm. but here is somebody who actually left a pre-recorded message to tell them something about this and i was like and to tell them they were the last right. i was like okay. you know oh my gosh like this is amazing i couldn't wait to find out what they were going to hear it definitely felt some gratification that's finally like yeah yeah we're gonna find because every like i said everything else was an accident that they found it you know, mm -hmm. nobody meant for them to find it. So this was the final hope that somebody was like, for those who are going to be left behind, we've got to leave something for them. And it was worth it. And yes. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and how convenient that it was the mall rats. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which is interesting because they couldn't get this thing. I, I couldn't help but wonder if it wasn't until the satellite went over the station that it was able to identify that somebody was there. Because the maybe. station itself yeah. did not react to the children's presence, but maybe the satellite reacted to them being there. And that's when Probably. it finally mm -hmm. started to speak. That's what made, you know, like, so the satellite's just been going around the earth waiting to spot people or whatever, sig heat signatures in the places where they've left this message. And finally, they found there's, you know, there's actually people here. And it's like, oh, okay. Because otherwise, if this was a pre-recorded message made for people to show up there, wouldn't it have gone on as soon as the kids had turned on the computers and stuff? And mm -hmm. you would think, so yeah, I did think that was think. really cool, especially since when they were first scanning the sky, the sky was empty, which is absolutely terrifying. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. That's, I was yeah. like, oh my God. Wow, there's really nothing there. Like, how are all the satellites gone? <laughs> how can there be nothing there? And how did people die in space? That's my thing. How'd they get the virus in space? Yeah, they probably just didn't return to Earth and died up there of like dehydration, starvation, whatever. Yeah, because they didn't have anybody bringing yeah. them. That's yeah, horrifying. that sucks. Yeah. Oh, that's rough, man. Oh, my gosh. Because you would think that'd be the last hope, you know, up in space or way out at sea. Yep. Oh. It's like, we can't refuel you. and um, You're going to die. So Sorry, God guys. be with you. <laughs> Like basically, God be with you. Yeah. Oh, that message. Mm. And Celine's going, please don't come back. Don't leave us. You know, it's like, okay, yes, that makes sense for you to say that. But who are you talking to? An adult mm -hmm. voice. The first adult voice I've heard in a year. Don't go, please. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like I'd probably say the same mm -hmm. thing. So I do love it as a cliffhanger. So do I. And that really draws people in, makes sure that you're going to get them back for that, that season two premiere. Yeah, this cliffhanger was amazing. I will never forget where I was <laughs> when I was watching it. It was uh, 3 a.m., just watching, having another tribe marathon. And I'm like, oh, it's finally the last episode of season one. And the way they just kind of left it all up in the air, just in terms of there is a cure. You have to be the ones that find it. And it's not yep. just a... I, well, when I first watched it, I felt that it was not just a city thing anymore. Mm -hmm. When I said that, they're the only hope. I'm like, oh my god, it's like the world. Like we have to like legit yes. save the world. And yep, I thought that was incredible. I honestly thought season two. I thought someone was going to 
die, but because, you know, this entire journey is so incredible, it would almost be kind of meaningless if they didn't have like a huge sacrifice along with this journey. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was just, um, yeah, definitely one of my favorite uh, season finales of any show. Yeah, looking at, at it like that, it really is. It's just, for some reason, I kept remembering the first five minutes of the season opening. That's what I'm saying. As being the cliffhanger. Yeah, like I definitely thought that was the cliffhanger and things were definitely way different. But everything was the same, just in a different order. <laughs> I just <laughs> thought we had five more minutes on this episode. So did I. I, I, I it, it yeah. was a good episode. It was. It was a good finale. Yeah, I agree. It was definitely a good, you know... 52 episodes. Good grief. And tonally, it's a good uh, finale for season one in general. Season one is more mm -hmm. of a character study than anything else. There's not a ton of plot. Mm -hmm. There's not a ton of action. It's really just about getting to know these people and how they are handling the apocalypse. And you could say season one yeah. starts off with a bang. We're just thrown into the middle of the end of the world with these kids. And we, we're just like, we're just yeah. running alongside them. Like, what are we running from? Do you guys know what's going on? You know, and yeah. they're like, that's how I felt the first right. time. I and the kids it. are like, Shoot, just keep up. We'll tell you when we find a safe place to yeah. stop, you know? And so it starts off with such a bang. And then it just gets quiet as we get to spend 52 episodes getting to know these people. And it ends with a very quiet sentence. You know, listen very carefully to what I have to say. And it's like, I'm listening. And then it's like, sorry, gonna have yes. to wait. Mm -hmm. I know. Oh, I was like, man. that was a re like totally, great. that's a great cliffhanger for this. Yeah. Kudos to you, Cloud9. Like, nice. It's just a Kudos. thoughtful cliffhanger, you know, and there's no big bang, you know, it's just no. a voice. Finally, a freaking yeah. voice. <laughs> Someone's gonna give us some damn answers. I would have loved to see like the table read of the entire cast, like reading that for the first time. <laughs> mm -hmm. I remember just being stuck for months wondering what was going to happen next. See, I think I got lucky and I was able to watch it at a, you know, later on, a couple of years after it was mm -hmm. released. So. Yeah, same here. By the time I started the season one finale, I was like, okay, this is my last episode and I'm going to bed. But then the whole way it ended, I was like, nope, here, season two, here I come. <laughs> uh, all that time waiting by the TV, hoping they would start season two because they didn't announce when it would be. Oh, that must have been awful. Before there was internet and social media like there is today. Mm -hmm. And that brings episode 52 and series one itself to a close. I'd just like to take a moment to say a massive thank you to everyone who's helped make this podcast a success. Thank you to Liz, to Sabine, to Maggie, Carlin, and the two helped start it all, Hill and Katar. And also a massive thank you to Matt for all his help on the research notes. If you would like to take a part in a future episode of Conversation on Mingo Mountain, you can by filling out the form on our website, thetribe.co.uk, and look up the guest podcaster section. Or you can send us through a direct message on our Facebook page. There's a couple of quick and easy questions to answer, and then we'll help try and sort you out and get you involved. And we'll see you next time for Series 2. So until then, bye. 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 Later. Bye.